all of these tools we're talking about really can't be used very well at all if we don't have good communication in our relationship. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, you hear people in the context of marriage say, I'm not a mind reader. Exactly. That's <laughs> why communication is needed. Welcome to You and Me and Jesus, a Christian marriage podcast. Welcome to You and Me and Jesus. You and me and, and Jesus. Jesus. Right. This is Mindy. I'm Carrie. Good to have you with us. We wanted to ask you a question. What is a foundation and what is it used for? Well, it's that thing that goes under a house, right? Yes. The concrete. Hmm. What is it used for? Well, I mean, we got construction going on just out the window across in the neighborhood. They're, they're building on it. I mean, I see the wood going up. I see carpenters dancing around on top of it as they're, you know, going from girder to girder or whatever they call it, you know, they're building. Right. And they probably wouldn't be dancing if they didn't have a good foundation. I would think not. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably true. So I guess the point of what we're doing here is we're asking you to think about a foundation because foundations are that underlying stability for things, houses, buildings, bridges. I mean, all kinds of things have foundations and it provides that solid foundation to build upon so that the structure can be strong and the structure doesn't get shaken. I mean, just compare building on a foundation to trying to build on sand. You can see how the foundation is an important thing. And we all need a solid foundation. Yeah, marriages especially. Right. Yeah, and you think about the world we live in, there's all kinds of philosophies about marriage and about what people are doing when they're getting united in marriage. And many times it's just as trivial as they're just partnering up to share expenses or to live together and make life easier. And I got news for you. It's not easier being married. <laughs> it's not. But regardless of what our culture does or says, God has a foundation for marriage. And we can find that in Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. Now, Genesis, in case you're not familiar, is the book of beginnings. And this is telling the story of how God made Adam, and then he made Eve, and then he brought them together as husband and wife. And that's the verses that we're going to read here today. It says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Thank you, Minnie. Well, it's interesting. You may have noticed the word unity is not used once in all those verses. But look at that last verse. What the author of Genesis does is he summarizes what just happened. And he says, therefore, because of the way God created Adam and Eve, a man's going to leave his father and mother. So he's leaving all of his former relational allegiances and loyalties, and he's going to establish a new one with his wife. It's a new covenant, the Bible calls it, between him and his wife and God. And those two, this passage tells us, become one flesh. Now, if all we had to read was Genesis chapter 2, 
we might legitimately come to the conclusion that one flesh thing means physically they become one. You know, they, they consummate their marriage through sexual activity and that makes them one. But Jesus comments on this in Mark chapter 10, verses 7 through 9, and he tells us what it really means. So Mindy, would you read that for us? It says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Pause for a minute. So he's just quoting what we just read. Now he's going to comment on it. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Great. So did you catch what Jesus said there? He said, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. He's saying they are one. This is a spiritual kind of a mystery. A man and a woman, somehow two individuals come together in the covenant of marriage before God and God makes them one. He also says that it's an issue of growth. It's an issue of progress. He says they shall become one flesh back in Genesis. So it's this process. It's an ongoing thing. So growth is happening. Growth in unity is happening. And then there at the end, Jesus pointing to how God thinks about unity says they're one. People, don't you dare separate this. And it's a beautiful reality that God has created for marriages. He wants a marriage to be one. He wants it to be unified. And it's the greatest gift that God has given us because God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, they are one. They are unified. And so God knows that's the best thing ever, the greatest gift He could give us. So for us to fight against oneness and to fight against being unified with our spouse is fighting against the greatest gift that God has given us in a marriage. Yeah, and isn't it interesting what you just described, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we call that the Trinity. And here we have husband, wife, God in a covenant relationship. It's another kind of Trinity, not to be sacrilegious in any sense and not to say men and women are divine, but it's God giving us a kind of relationship He already enjoys and He already knows is best. It's just a phenomenal thing when you think of it. So really what all this is telling us is that unity is kind of the identity of marriage. It's what marriage is about, in a sense, is unity. So we as husband and wife and possibly engaged man and woman, we need to be thinking about the marriage that we are living in right now, or we will be living in down the road. Our identity, I will be unified. I will become one with my spouse. And that is my identity for the rest of my life here on earth. Yeah. And if you're already married, I am unified. Yes. It's a reality, whether you're experiencing it or not, or whether you feel like you want to experience it or not, this is God's reality. Right. Whether you're having wonderful, loving feelings towards your spouse or you're really angry at them right now, you are one. You are unified. Yes. Yes. Now, before we started recording, Mindy, you were telling me an illustration you had thought of to help us understand this unity thing. So can you share that with us? I think it's helpful to think of a job that you might get as, say, a football coach or a teacher, math teacher in in high school. And you're so excited you got the job. I'm a teacher. I am a math teacher. That, in a sense, is your identity for your job. So you're going to go along being a teacher. You're going to be using the tools that a teacher uses. You're going to have the chalkboard. You're going to have chalk. You're going to have erasers. You'll have assignment plans. You'll have the textbooks that you pass out, all these different things you do because teachers do them. Along the the way in your school year, you'll come across hardships, you'll come across blessings, 
you'll come across things that maybe you might not know what to do. But when that happens, you go back to the reality. I'm a teacher. What does a teacher do? Well, if I can't find help within my own self, within my own head, what to do with this misbehaving student, well, I research information that will help me. I ask other teachers, how do you deal with these situations in the classroom? I find what I need as a teacher to have the most healthy school year because that's what I do as a teacher. Yeah. And so you're talking about an issue of identity. Identity as a teacher informs how you're going to carry out that role and it informs what tools you use. You're not going to use a paintbrush if you're a teacher, unless you're an art teacher, but I think you get the point. Right. You don't use a hammer if you are a teacher. That's what a construction worker might do. You do what teachers do. That's your identity. Yeah. And so if we're talking about identity within marriage, we've already mentioned it and alluded to it. Unity is the identity of marriage. So when we have trouble spots or we hit difficulties in our marriage, just like that teacher, we need to come back to our identity. We need to say, wait a minute, my identity is I'm a unified person with my spouse. So what are the tools of unity? What are the things I'm going to use as a unified person with my spouse to help us get past these difficulties or help us push through and build this marriage to be what it is intended to be? And we have a whole list of things here we're going to reference right now as tools of unity, things that will help facilitate unity. And don't sweat it. We're just going to go through these briefly, but we're going to go in depth on these in future episodes, one at a time, because they're so important. Mindy, do you want to talk about that first one? The first one is dedication in your individual relationships with God. That means you're dedicated in growing close to the Lord and learning from Him, spending time with Him, having a quiet time, a devotional time, set aside most days. Yeah, and this is part of the mystery of what marriage is because we're talking about two people who are one And yet we all can tell with our waking eyes, we're talking about two individuals who are one. And we each have our own responsibilities before God for our relationship with God. And so we're responsible to invest in that, to cultivate it, to nurture it, to enable our one-on-one relationship with God to become a healthy one so that when we come together as one, which we are, we have a healthy unity because we both are growing toward the Lord. The Lord is going to be sure to guide me as the wife to unity with my spouse. And he's going to be sure to guide Carrie as the husband to unity towards his wife. Yeah, the next thing we have on our tools of unity list is, and it may sound kind of like a duh statement, but live your life together. Think of the number of couples you know who kind of do their own things. I mean, you know they're married because they live in the same house. They've got the rings on all that, but... You don't see them doing many things together. You don't see them enjoying each other's company. You don't see them going on vacations together. They might even do separate vacations. I mean, that's not acting in unity. That's not to say the wife can't go on a vacation with their friends and enjoy time with the girls and all that. But by and large, in your life, you want to live together. You want to live life together. The next tool we would like to talk about is humility. Humility? What? That is huge. It's the greatest thing that will help us to be unified. Yeah, the Bible talks a lot about humility. One of the verses that comes to my mind right away is in James and in 1 Peter chapter 5 is clothe yourselves with humility because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And grace is God's help 
<laughs> so in our marriages, don't we want God's help to enable us to be unified? Well, absolutely. So what's the verse say? We got to be humble. Yeah. We can't do it without God's help. Yeah. Humility is huge. And we'll, like I said, have another episode on that in the future. The next tool we would want to talk about is sacrificial love. We all know that marriage involves love. We fall in love with our spouse, with our boyfriend or girlfriend, and then we end up getting married. But many times we aren't prepared that loving one another is going to be many times a huge sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you think about the ultimate example of love, Jesus, the Bible says God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He sacrificed himself because of his love. And so that's just almost the definition of love. It's just what it is. So sacrificial love, absolutely. The next one is healthy, regular communication. Now you notice there's two modifying words there. Healthy, there's all kind of communication that's not healthy. So we got to make sure it's healthy. And regular communication. You can't just communicate on Monday and expect on Friday everything's going to be good. It's got to be regular communication. And we have found that this is, in many ways, the next layer on top of the foundation of unity. Yeah. Because all of these tools we're talking about really can't be used very well at all if we don't have good communication in our relationship. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, you hear people in the context of marriage say, I'm not a mind reader. Exactly. That's why <laughs> communication is needed. You know, it's what enables us to understand each other's heart and mind so that we can come together in a unified way. The last one that's on this list, and we'll obviously have more things we'll talk about on the podcast, is prayer and scripture. Having times of prayer and scripture together. Now, that may sound kind of scary to you if you're newly married, or some people who have long time been married don't pray together very much. And it, it's kind of an intimidating thing. And I get that. I totally get that. But we've discovered that when we spend time before our Maker, the God of heaven and earth, on our knees together, it fosters unity like nothing else. So we just want to get you thinking a little bit more deeply. Why do you think unity is so important? We did touch on it talking about the Trinity. When we read in John, you really get the idea of what Jesus is feeling, how he's just longing for us to have unity, to us to have oneness. Let me read that passage. It's in John 17, verses 21 through 23. And bear in mind, Jesus is speaking generally here. He's not specifically talking about marriage, but he's talking about unity. And one of the things you'll hear us say on the podcast quite often is, since we are Christians first and married couples second, all the instructions to Christians apply to us in our marriage. And so this principle we're going to read is a marriage principle, even though it never mentions marriage. This is Jesus. He's praying. He's asking the Father to do certain things. He prays that they may all be one, so all Christians will be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you love me. I can't help but hear Jesus having some emotion in praying that. Absolutely. And I love it because he wants us to know and experience the Father's love, 
but he's also wanting the world to know and experience the father's love. So I don't know if you've thought of this married couple, but your marriage is one of the greatest testimonies of God in this world. Can be. Yes, it can be. And it, and it will be if you are living a life obedient to the Lord. Which means fostering unity. Right, exactly. So if you have a unified marriage, what a blessing you will be to those around you. When we say unified marriage, we're not meaning a perfect marriage, but it means that throughout the course of your life, you're demonstrating this struggle to be unified, to remain unified, to express that unity in all your decisions, in the way you relate to people, in the way you demonstrate your your commitment to the Lord. I mean, this whole passage in John 17 is just such a powerful representation of God's heart for the church and for the marriages within the church. And so throughout the podcast, you're going to hear us referring to unity all the time. Please keep these things in mind as you do that. Well, it's time for assignment. We promised you in that first episode that we're going to give you assignments on each episode. And we've got three small, simple little things here that we want to ask you to do. Mindy, do you want to cover the first one? Begin time with the Lord regularly if you aren't already in that habit. Now, when you say time with the Lord, unpack that. What do you mean by that? Reading the Bible, praying, growing in your relationship with Him. So you're saying husband needs to do that, wife needs to do that. Right. Engaged couples, individually, they need to be doing that. Yes, they need to be doing that alone so that they personally are growing closer to God. Absolutely. And if you're new to this whole Christian thing and you really have never had someone guide you or, or lead you in how to study the Bible, how to know more about God, I have a workbook uh, in a PDF downloadable form I'm happy to give you free of charge. It's 19 lessons, kind of fill in the blank workbook format that will help you from square one of knowing how to know God all the way to some of the more advanced things in the Christian life. Just email me, carrie at youandmeandjesus.com, and I will send that to you. Okay, so that's assignment number one. Assignment number two is for each of you to begin asking God to give you a greater unity mindset. Now, what I love about this assignment is we're promised in the book of 1 John that if we ask anything according to God's will, He hears us and will give us what we ask. So go back to the assignment. Ask God to give you a greater unity mindset. Do you think that's according to his will, babe? Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you think he's going to answer that? Absolutely. Okay, so couples, think about this. If you each begin asking God to give you a greater unity mindset, and you know God's going to answer, isn't that a hopeful thing? It's a thing to rejoice about. Yeah, it's exciting. (laughs) I'm, I'm getting giddy just thinking about it. Okay, the third assignment. Read and meditate on John 17 verses 21 through 23, the ones that we just spoke about. Our desire for you couples is to start seeing unity as your anchor, as your compass of true north. No matter what you go through, ups and downs in your marriage, you will have that solid foundation. Oh, we're unified. Oh, we're supposed to be one. We've got to do whatever we can to get back there. And so we hope that whether you are newly married or you've been married for a long time, that learning more about unity in marriage will bless you beyond your dreams. And with that, Mindy and I would like to pray for you. Lord, we are grateful for your truth that comes from the scripture and how relevant it is to us in every aspect of our lives. This truth about unity 
as Minnie and I study it, we see greater and greater aspects to it, and, and it gets bigger and broader and, and more significant every time we ponder it. And we ask that for those who are listening, you would embed in their hearts this wonder and this sense of excitement about the prospect of unity in their marriage, that the truth of their oneness and the reality of that spiritual mystery can just come to life for them, and that you would enable them as they do these assignments to progress in their marriage unity and to grow in it for your glory and for your name's sake. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This podcast is a production of Morning Mindset Media. Find out how you can become a monthly partner to help us help you and others get their minds aligned with the truth of God's Word. You can also find out about our other podcasts at morningmindsetmedia.com. with you here too the next tool we would want to talk about <coughs> <coughs> that's the main thing that well, i should say that. the last thing i said about the first point you shouldn't do it i don't like it the mean the end thing the end thing i said just before this okay i'm gonna say it again because i hit my mic welcome to 